0: hockey fans welcome to across the pond hockey talks volume 26 and the start of season two i'm chris ivany and before we start tonight i have a quick announcement for all the listeners here in hong kong the cihl finals will take place this coming thursday at mega ice in kowloon bay at 9 45 the kowloon warriors and south china sharks will be playing finishing off last season's uh last season uh, after covid and after all the breaks we're finally getting back for the championship game this coming thursday i'll be there officiating and you should be there as well watching hong kong's elite hockey league and tonight's episode is brought to you by yardley brothers beer got yourself some spicy chicken wings or delicious pizza what better way to wash it down than with some yardley brothers beer that's right folks we're stoked to have yardley brothers beer as one of our sponsors these guys are known for their scrumptious sour beers, as well as loads of other delicious brews, like Lama Island IPA, Hong Kong faster Imperial Ale, Quincy Job Saison, and my favorite, Machine Man Pale Ale. Want to get some of this delicious stuff inside your belly? You can find it at The Globe, Hill 65, The Roundhouse, or Lama Grill. Well, heck, even swing by City Super or The Wanch. They got some bottles there. Find yourself wandering over on Lama Island? Yarly Brothers even have a beer shack over there. Their new location is even closer to the Ferry Pier. They'll be serving cold coal pints from November. Visit their website for more information at YarlyBrothers.HK. My guest tonight is a fellow Nova Scotian and St. of graduate, born in the beautiful town of Antigonish. He began his career as a linesman in the Q in 2005, and only six years later signed his first contract in the NHL. He's since officiated over 600 regular season games, 64 playoff games, four conference finals, and two Stanley Cup finals, including just last week in Game 6 in Edmonton. Fresh out of the NHL playoff bubble, please welcome to Across the Pond Hockey Talks, NHL linesman Matt McPherson. How are you, Matty? I'm great, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to talk to you, and uh, first of all, thank you for uh, taking some time to, to chat with me
1: yeah no thanks for having me on um and i'm actually uh, now that you mentioned it, i'm trying to find a way to watch your uh, championship game when did you say it was
0: it's thursday night but we got to fly you there's, over now because uh let's we'll get you through quarantine quickly
1: I, I can't i can't watch it online anywhere i'm in the u.s so.
0: oh well maybe we can do that i'll let you know if we can get a uh, if there's a feed right we'll let you know so matt are you happy to be home are you back are you happy to be out of the bubble and back in new hampshire
1: I'm very happy. Oh my God. It's, it was a, it was a long 71 days. Um, um, I bet. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the NHL did a great job with the bubble, but, but course, just yeah. kind of being, being, uh, being home now, it, it was good to get home and, and get a, get back to sort of normal life. But. What, what were you missing the most about being home? Uh, well, I mean, just the, you know, friends and family and, yeah. and, and, people, you know, I mean, it was, you know, our, our job at the best of times and during a normal season is is tough being on the road, but yeah. but uh, this one was kind of a, uh, different circumstances and it, and certainly it was, was. Uh, extended. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So all right, the million dollar question: Which bubble was better, Toronto
1: or Edmonton? That's the question. Hey, uh, they, both of them had their their positives and negatives. I mean, okay.
0: Tell us a little bit about what life was like. To
1: be be honest, like what the NHL did at putting that together, uh, it was top notch. And I'm really impressed with what they were put. They were able to put together from, since we paused in on March 12th to, to, to what they did in in Toronto and Edmonton with the bubbles was, was phenomenal. And just getting hockey back and getting the Stanley cup awarded this year. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we can get into the specifics of the bubbles. I mean, they were different, uh, you know, Toronto had its perks, um, some good hotels and, and some outdoor spaces. Edmonton was more confined and, and more, um, but but amenities, you know, restaurants were better. in it. I think I would yeah. say the food was better in Edmonton. Yeah. The outdoor space was better in Toronto. But okay. you're going to have that, right? Um, yeah. You're going to have the comparisons. But but what the NHL was able to accomplish with this was
0: uh, I, I was blown away with like, just stepping in. Um, yeah, they basically went unscathed through the whole thing. Like everything just kind of went perfectly. It, it really did,
1: you know. Yeah. I mean, from what it, we it's a see. testament. It, it's a testament to what what that the league was was able to put together. With I mean, Steve Mayer was the guy with the presentation side of of you know court of, of coming up with what the game presentation was going to be, the bubbles, yeah. the, all that stuff. But but it was a whole. I mean, obviously, the whole team of people who really I think got to work from day one when we paused and and it was there was so much unknown mm-hmm. you know we found out March 12th that hey we're shutting down it was like you know it was kind of unprecedented for all of us and we, we didn't know what was going to happen and and where we we're going is this, this whole new world of covid and um you know and, and then to to see what what was able to be accomplished and and to to get the to get the playoffs finished, the season finished, and the playoffs finished, and award the Stanley Cup with no positive
0: COVID tests in the entire bubble. It's, it's, inc- I mean, it's, it's insane.
1: It's, it's it's a success story for yeah, sure. For of it. course, it's yeah, it's, for everybody. You know.
0: Yeah, it yeah. seems like you know, with all the other major sports and all the issues that they had, and you know, the the NHL was really proactive with their idea to, first of all to even come up with with hub cities and then having them both in Canada. Just. Every decision they made went right. And, I mean, it could have went wrong in so many different ways. It just didn't. And i uh, you know, super happy that you guys were able to get through that. What was the feel yeah. like for you? I mean, I'm sure there's a big difference for the players playing without, without fans and a crowd. Any difference for you guys? Yeah, you notice it. I mean, yeah. you know, it's – it's.
1: I, I kind of – you know, anytime you're coming into playoff hockey and you're used to coming out in front of 20,000 streaming fans. And, yeah you know, that, that, that part of the atmosphere of the in, in building in arena experience. Yeah. I mean, that was missing, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And, and it was, it was an adjustment, but you know what, I think the the players adjusted, we adjusted. Um, and, and I mean, the hockey was great. They, yeah. the players brought their own intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were, they were competing for the Stanley cup, you know, yeah. as fans or no fans. I mean, you're competing for a chance to win the Stanley cup. You're going to, yeah. you're going to, you're going to compete, you're going to play. And, and, and you would
0: know, you would know better than we would, but what was the, you know, like the compared to other seasons, playoffs, what was the pace like? And, and was it comparable? Do you think there was any lag in, in, in play based on, based on the pause?
1: I don't think there was.
0: Okay. Um, I think, I think coming out of the gate, maybe, or yeah. like the first, like
1: the exhibition to start and, and yeah. maybe, you know, a player, everyone's adjusting, everyone's adjusting to the new kind of, You just been off for four months or whatever it was. And, and, you know, but, Mm-hmm. but it was pretty quickly everyone was in stride and and the, you know the players the players brought the intensity of the yeah. ice and yeah. and that was that was a thing for me was was pretty cool to see you know i wasn't sure going into i was like you know what like is it going to be a different playoffs mm-hmm. as far as are the players just going to kind of go through the motions or, or what you know yeah but no, I mean, they, they didn't
0: at all. They, they, I mean, they want to win a Stanley Cup, right?
1: If you they put those guys
0: it. in front of a ping pong table, you're going to get the best out of them. It's just the way NHL Ex- players are built. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, Matt, yeah. let's so, – uh, I mean, be- I I, That was amazing to see. Yes. That, it's amazing and, and truly an incredible journey uh, through the, the entire pandemic and through the playoffs. Let's go all the way back to your childhood now, Matt. Mm-hmm. You were born in Antigonish. Uh, tell me about your early experiences in minor hockey
1: yeah i mean you know small town canadian kid you get into hockey right i I Mm -hmm. mean i i started playing as a as a i don't know five years old whatever you do six seven i don't know what it was but yeah i i i I went through antigenish minor hockey system um played you know i I, I loved it i mean i i uh you know what like it's funny you want to you want to make the nhl as a player Mm -hmm. um you know at an early age you're like yeah you know i'm gonna do but you know I, I i worked my way up i played i was an all right hockey player i played like i played triple a level through minor hockey yep um you know i played into uh you know Bantam midget i played high school played a little junior b and then yeah at that you know i was 19 i'm like you know what i'm not i'm probably not gonna make the nhl but yeah.
0: not probably not, i'm not gonna i'm definitely not making the nhl yeah.
1: right like i mean i was i was a good player a good yeah skater i was like You know, I was a big guy, so like I wasn't I wasn't that skilled. So it's like, uh, yeah, I could be a fighter, maybe.
0: But (laughs) now you're breaking uh, them up, oddly enough.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you come to a realization. But you know, I started at the same time I was playing. I started officiating at 15. I was young, like I took a clinic at 15, and I started refereeing kids' hockey. Mm -hmm. Um, Not thinking I would make a career out of it, just kind of a way to stay on the ice, and then. You know, I uh, I kind of came to a point in junior where I was like, wow, that's kind of, yeah, my playing career is probably, probably done. I yeah. got nothing really ahead of me there. So I kind of shift the focus to, to kind of focus more on officiating. And mm-hmm. and uh, for me, it was a way to, you know, I mean, it's a way to stay on the ice and stay involved. and Of course.
0: you did know you, and, Did you make that decision to, like, uh, to make that shift and get serious about it? Or were some, some of your superiors and guys saying, hey, Matt, like, I think you could really do this? yeah it was yeah a
1: little bit of that, but i I feel like I was getting by the time i was I, I remember I was playing junior b you know uh-huh. in locally in manigan um and, and my uh, officiating wise like I wasn't at the high like, at that high of a level officiating wise but i i, I just kind of saw more potential there mm. and i i had like i was i was kind of at the point where I was like I could be officiating junior hockey right, and probably the ceiling is much higher if I switched over. Right. Um, so, so I did. And, 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 uh, yeah, it wasn't an easy decision. I mean, like quitting playing hockey competitively is not an easy decision. No, it certainly isn't. Yeah. Or like, not necessarily quitting, but you know, like yeah. trying to, but like kind of realizing you're, you know, you, you're, you kind of maybe hit the, hit the limit of, you know, but so yeah, I, I decided to switch the focus and, and I had seen some early success in, in officiating and, yeah. and was rising through the ranks. So, you know, I, 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 put, my, kind of, I put my focus on that. And, right.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it was very similar for me. Same, like, high school level hockey player, junior B. And then after when you're 19, same with me. I'm 19 years old. I'm like, well, maybe I'll try roughing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, right? that's basically when I got the idea. And, um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to move. When I moved back to Cape Breton to start my teaching career, um you know I I had some good I had a few good officials around me and a lot of encouragement and and there was just a need for officials in these small towns and um although there wasn't really high level hockey for me to ref or be involved in on the west side of Cape Breton um you know we had major midget and and by the time I got up to that level would have been the first time I, I I was fortunate enough to meet you and and we were just talking about this uh yeah, I was invited to a camp uh, in Halifax, and you were actually a guest speaker at the camp. Tom, um, do you do you remember this at all? And first, I think you were coming back from an international event, and and you would have been, you were probably only well, you're a year younger than me, so you were probably like twenty five years old at the time, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's a, I I kind I think I remember I remember we talked about it. I, I think I remember the event. Yeah. Um, I think I might have been getting, coming back from Italy um yeah I think that's what it was yeah it was in a worked the world University games in in Torino actually it was the year after the Olympics were there right um yep. yeah yeah uh, so I think if I I mean my memory's vague I, but I can't remember what I did yesterday to be honest but uh,
0: <laughs> the reason I'm asking is'm I'm, I'm wondering if you had what was your first taste of like um a big experience like a Royal Bank Cup or like uh you know, something international, what was the first time where you, where you were invited to something where you thought, okay, I'm going to have a chance at this. And, and, you know, you really enjoyed repping at that, at le- that level. It's hard to find a first. I mean, so I guess the kind of,
1: the, the, the first sort of realization I had of, of a future of officiating was, you know, I was working locally in Antigonish and I got, uh, I went to a, a uh, referee camp put on by Don Koharski. Okay, who's um, actually I, I've gotten to know Don over the years. So yeah, he's one of my bosses now. But
0: yeah, is he um, still the head? Is he still a head he,
1: of officiating? Uh, he's not the head. Of, he's he's one of our uh, officiating managers. He's not okay. the he's not our boss, but he's he's still on staff as gotcha. as an officiating manager. Yeah. But uh, so I, anyway, I, he, I went to one of his camps, and you know, for me, like officiating was something I you know if it was a local thing. I did it you know, as a kind of a part-time job and mm-hmm. some cash in the pocket and, and I, uh, you know, I went to his camp and, and, uh, you know, I learned a lot there, but, but that there was scouts there from the Quebec league, which Sylvain Bibot at the time yeah. was the uh, director of officiating or the head of officiating with the, the Quebec league. And, uh, he actually pulled me aside at the end of the, at the end of the camp, it's like a summer weekend camp. He pulled me aside and. You know, he said, you know, we really like what we saw and, and, you know, we don't have a spot for you on staff this year or anything. But but go back and and, and work your hockey next year uh, and come back to this camp next year because because we might be interested in, in hiring you. And, and, you know, for me, I mean, you know, small town kid from Manning like we're work, working in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I was like, you know, it yeah, was yeah, it was yeah, signed, kind yeah. of a big deal. I was like, this is like, you know, yeah, I've been course. working locally in town, yeah. like just kind of a. And, and that sort of opened my eyes to like, okay, there's, you know, it could be like, this could be a thing, you know, I, like, I didn't know what it was or I didn't know exactly how far it would take me. But just having that conversation at that camp was kind of, was very eye opening. And then I went back to Annie Ganish. that season. I worked, you know, locally junior hockey. I worked a little St. of X hockey and, and then I went back to the camp and, and the Quebec league, they hired me that year, the next year. So um
0: right so that's 2005 that
1: was, that was, uh, that was uh so yeah so that 2004 was when that happened and then mm-hmm. i came back and
0: yeah 2005 is when i got hired by the queue awesome so matt um, obviously you had all the intangibles to be an to be a, a linesman you're a great skater you know the game really well you're obviously a big boy um and and you you're dedicated to it and you love it so take tell me a little bit about that first season in the queue because you're not much older than these guys at that time Um, and were you like in a specific region driving around all over the place? Tell me a little bit about that daily, the life of a, of a linesman in the queue. Well, so at the amateur level in the Quebec league, I mean, you know, refereeing hockey is not your
1: job. That's not your full-time job. It's, it's, it's very much a part-time thing. So, I mean, I'm, I'm working, I graduated from St. of So I I had a full-time job in Halifax. Um, you know, I'd work my nine to five and I go, work games in the queue at night. Uh, and you know, I mean, as far as travel, I mean, I, I worked basically in the Maritimes was my, was my territory as a linesman. I didn't get to Quebec much. Um, the odd trip maybe once, maybe once a season, the league would actually travel me to Quebec, but, um, but no, I was mainly, I was Halifax, Cape Breton, um, PEI, you know, Moncton, St. John and Bathurst, the, the Maritimes. Right. So, so, are you
0: are you driving yourself around all of this, or are you got your work? Yeah, with you're, you know, you're driving yourself. Like I, I'd go to work. I mean,
1: you know, I'd go to work during the day, and I'd go do a, a queue game in Halifax at night, or you know, or you know, I'd have to leave work early to go to Moncton, or you know, I mean, you work around it, your schedule, but it's you know, it's a in the queue you're a part time. It's not obviously your full time job. You're not making a career working junior hockey. So yeah. you know you're. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a part time thing, and you work around your your real your real nice. life and your real right. job. Yeah.
0: But that's got to yeah. be
1: tough. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, it was a lot of travel, and and you know a lot of. No, I mean, I say about travel. So I do a lot, I do more travel now. But yeah, but,
0: but that's right? your only thing. You weren't working. You're not working <laughs> right. a day job now exactly yeah, yeah exactly so um any memories that first year uh, of any like cool events or like something that happened that you were like whoa this is crazy like a line brawl or something that happened or a memory from your first year where you broke maybe you broke up your first fight or made your first good it, call like what, what what comes to mind when you think about your your start in the queue in
1: the queue so you know what's funny is something that comes to mind my first year in the queue and I like I taught, I, I, well, I worked with a senior guy, uh, Jeff McDonald, Barney, mm-hmm. Barney was a nickname, but he was, he was a, a veteran linesman in the Quebec league. He's been around, he'd been around forever. Like, and I'm just this young kid coming in from Aniganish. Like, you know, I had worked low, I had worked, you know, minor hockey and yeah. stuff, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm young, I'm green and yeah. And I'm working a preseason game. It was in Halifax. It was at the uh, Halifax Forum. And okay, they, they play at the Metro Center, but it was they, yeah. preseason they they played in the Forum. And we had a line bro. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had, we had five guys fight, like five on five fighting. Yeah, like uh, um, where am I going? And first, be, I'm <laughs> like, oh my god! So me as this young kid, like you know, uh, Barney, my partner is a linesman, he's he's a veteran guy. He's he's seen it all. He's been around. And so I remember just. You know, busting in, and I'm all hyped up, and I'm just amped, and I don't, you know, I'm just looking. And, and he just, he looks at me, he goes, "Matt, it's like probably my first or second game in the preseason, And my first year." He goes, "Just calm down." He's like, "We got this." And I'm just <laughs> like, I'm all revved up, trying to like just jump in, and yeah, you know, and. and you know you you know you've got a trial by fire all, your training, really better, right? all your training <laughs> yeah. goes out the window all well, your training goes out the window you're I mean, ready to, you're just yeah. like you're just so amped up on it yeah you're, you're just, ready to you know, dive into a, a fight before and, yeah and, yeah but uh yeah i mean you learn as you as you come up you learn how to how Absolutely. to handle unique yeah. situations like that right but i was just yeah. this young kid coming in at a at a vanny connection i still remember that he just looks at me and he no. he's like we got we got this this you don't have to get all amped up we got it just stay
0: calm and you know it's yeah, yeah it's sorry one folks of the- my cats in the background making some noise there sorry about that no 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 yeah <laughs> listen i want to know so the e c u after your after your stint in the queue, you moved straight up to the echl and the reputation of the echl is that it's a tough rugged hard nose league is that make it does that make your job a little tougher as a linesman? what was that experience like
1: yeah, you learn a lot in the minors. I mean, yeah. you, you see a lot. You see, you see a lot more now. Like looking back at it as you know, now that I've been you know ten years in the NHL, like looking back in the minors, you you go through things and you see the crazy stuff you're going to see in hockey. You yeah. see in the minor like minor right. pros, like you know, just the crazy situations that the the you know the, the line brawls and the and the just just like bananas stuff that you know you really don't really see in the nhl now these days like but um that's where you know you you really earn your chops officiating minor pro hockey i mean that that's and and you know you you come up through the ranks and you learn so much Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and you see because you've seen it and and it's trial by fire officiating You, you you just learn how to handle situations by seeing it and you you name it you name it crazy stuff's gonna happen. It's gonna happen in the minors, yeah. and it, it, it really is. Yeah. So I mean that I mean I was two years uh, two years in the ECHL, and I worked American League at the same time. And yeah, I mean you see some you see some crazy stuff down there. And but it, it's it's good for you. It really is. I think as an official, it, it, it's good for you to go through that. You right. have to.
0: And when you're at yeah. that point in the ECHL, are you um, are NHL like? Um, Officials talking to you at that point, um, working with you, helping you improve your game. Are you being fast tracked to the NHL? I guess is my question.
1: Yeah. So the the whole. The, I mean, the reason I was in the ECHL was because the NHL had approached me. So okay. I like I worked I worked four years in the queue and I was actually scouted uh, Charlie Banfield, who was a he was a uh, he was working with the NHL at the time. Um, he was scouting and, and he came to watch me work in the queue. And, uh, you know, I had, I had some chats with him along the way and and he told me, he was like, you know, he's like, we see some potential. We like what we see with you. Um, you know, you're not going to get hired in the NHL ready to junior hockey. Right. You need, you need some minor pro experience. Um, so he suggested doing that and going down to the ECHL or, you know, or the central league or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. but you know, I chose the ECHL. Um, and, uh, what was
0: that? Was that, was that one of the, a regional type job as well? Or were you traveling all over the place? I was traveling, I was driving everywhere. I was, I, I, so I lived in
1: Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay. They, they moved me down to the league, the ECHL that had a league apartment okay. in Reading, Pennsylvania. And, uh, so they put me up there with a couple other guys. It was, uh, three of us in there my first year and two of us, my second year, actually my first year down there, I live with, uh, Johnny Hebert, who's oh, really? an NHL referee, yeah, yeah. Uh, and a guy named Gino Binda, who's uh, he's from Boston. He's uh, he worked in the American League and ECHL, and now he's running some. I think he's doing some college hockey, uh, like running uh, college hockey in the in the US. But and my second year there, I live with uh, Graham Skilliter, who's also an NHL referee That's now. Right. So. Yeah. So it was actually a pretty uh, successful apartment, as far as that <laughs> sounds goes. like it. Good, good, uh, good actually, crew to Fran- be with. Francis Charron, Francis Sharon yep. lived in the apartment the year before me, and he got hired by the NHL. That's um, right. And Jislany uh, Bear got hired by the NHL at that apartment.
0: So, yeah, it was, it was a lucky apartment, I guess. That sounds like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you. But, you uh, after, after that, you. Um, the was it uh, was it a foregone conclusion that you were going to do a couple of years in the AHL? and did you have, or was that, is that part of the experience or were you thinking you might be able to make that jump right up to the NHL? Well,
1: so the part of the deal was, so I I went down, down to Reading and, um, Joe Ernst was the, uh, in charge of officiating in the ECHL at the time. And so he, he's the one he put me up in the apartment and and Uh, he knows, I mean, like he, you know, he knows like he's got Canadian guys, the ECHL has, they have a number of Canadian, uh, like work visas that they give to Canadian guys to come down, uh, to do it every year. And, uh, you know, I mean, he knows, obviously he knows the deal. He's, you know, we're trying, we're trying to make the NHL and that's why we're there. Um, so, uh, the deal is like, I go down, I work, I work most of my games in the ECHL, but, but I get American league games as well. So in those two years I worked, uh, Oh God, I don't know how many games, a lot, but, in the ECHL and I worked, I worked American league at the same time. So I was working both. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah.
0: What's that jump like
1: back and forth? That's a big jump actually. Yeah. Yeah. The American league to the ECHL is quite a big jump. Okay. Quite a big jump.
0: And, um, you know, Uh, the, the American league is so, I, I think it's such an amazing developmental league. Um, as far as, semi or you know farm systems of any professional sport i feel like the ahl does such an amazing job dave andrews does an amazing job as a commissioner and yes some of the stuff that you guys do like the experimental rules and rule changes was any of that going on when you were in the ahl uh
1: we didn't do a whole lot of that in my experience anyway in the american league we actually tried some new rules in echl okay um it was funny we tried one night in uh we were in Wheeling, West Virginia, Wheeling Nailers home game. Yeah. So we were gonna try out it was a it was a trial run of the uh you can't ice the puck even if you're short handed. Okay. That's which we way. know that's yeah. it, which we know as a shorthand team you can ice the puck, right? Yeah. But but so so that was a night and obviously it didn't take any traction, it didn't go anywhere, but yeah, we tried it. We, it was the league wanted to try it, so whatever, we tried it. And uh so we knew it. The players knew it. The coaches knew it. But the, no one told the fans that we were doing this. <laughs> I was just gonna time. say the fans didn't know, yeah. So so for like first power play of the game, wheelings are wheelings on the penalty kill and they iced the puck like two times and we're calling icing, because that's what we're doing that <laughs> night. Yeah. And the fans were going absolutely bananas. And oh, we're yeah, like I so we imagine. skated we're like, okay, hold on. Like, we're not complete imbeciles here. Let's skate over to the PA announcer. Like, let's make an announcement, please, that this yes. is what we're doing tonight. Like, that it's was a, a good try. call. <laughs> it was, uh, I still remember it. Like, yeah. Uh, and I,
0: I can only imagine the fact, like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Where did they get yeah. these guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny, man. Um, but yeah. I know, like, you know, the hybrid icings and all the things that we see in the NHL now have all worked their way through the minors first, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you finish up your career in the minors. It's 2011. You get a call from the NHL. You sign your very first contract. What's going through your mind at that point, realizing that you've just reached the pinnacle of your profession? It was that was. I still remember the day. Well, actually, there was two days. It was there was
1: two days. So I, I knew. I mean, after my second year in the Coastley, like I, I knew there was one job available in the NHL that year. Okay. Um, because when there was, you know, basically in the NHL, there's, there's only so many spots. If, yeah. if a guy retires, then there's an opening. Right? right. I knew there was one linesman job, one linesman position. Um, you know, you kind of figure out who you're competing with in the Myers, You know, you work with the guys and yeah. kind of have a sense, you know, who you like, who you're up against and whatever. And there's one spot and there's probably a couple guys that, that might have a shot at it. And so I, I know there's a chance, um, uh, Obviously, I want it. I want that spot. Yeah, but uh, I still remember sitting at home. I was, I was at home, and I think it was in June. Yeah, it would have been in June, right after, right after the Calder Cup was done. I think, mm-hmm. and I was sitting at home, and and I got a text. Actually, I got a text from Joe Ernst, who was my boss in the ECHL, and he goes, Matt, he goes, Terry Gregson wants your uh, wants your phone number." Okay. And Terry Gregson at the yep. time was the director of fishing with the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Walken is now, but so Terry was the one who hired me. And I just, I see that text, and I'm like, oh my God, like, this is it. This, this is it. Like, this is it. Yeah. So, so I'm like, yeah, well, of course. Like, Joe has my numbers. Like, of course, give it to him. Like, what are you crazy? He's like, yeah, give it to him. So, um, so then I'm sitting there now. Now I'm sitting at home going nuts. And <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and like it seems like hours before he calls. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so so like he finally calls me, and Matt Terry Gregson from the NHL, and um, we'd like to just schedule a meeting with you in Toronto at the NHL offices, and um, you know, in the next week or so. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'll be there. Uh, (laughs) Um. So, so they you know, so it's, it's not a job offer yet, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a meeting, right. Basically, basically an interview. And, uh, so they, they call me and and I go in and I fly to Toronto and I go in to meet him and, and it was great. I mean, Terry was a great man. He was a good boss. And, um, I sit down in his office and, uh, you know, it's basically just a kind of an, it's an informal conversation about Mm -hmm. life, about background, about, you know, a lot, everything, everything but hockey basically. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, they, they've seen me work, they, but That's they right. just they want to get to know you as a person. Mm-hmm. They hire, you know, they, the NHL hires, hires people as professionals. It, it's not just hockey. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, and then of course they have to go through all the requisite background checks and criminal record checks and all that stuff. And so I have to wait, right. I'm just wait, So I'm not officially hired yet, but right. basically hired. Um, So what's that? Tell us. Tell
0: me what that. What are the contracts like? Are you getting one year deals, or is it like? Is it like players? Do you have an agent working for you? How do you? How do you work out contracts as an official?
1: No. So we're a. uh, We have uh, an association, the NHL Officials Association, basically like a union. We're we're an association. Yeah. Um, So we're, we're considered. I mean, we're considered full time employees of the NHL. So we're not on like we're not on yearly deals or any, any term deals. Okay, we're we're just we're we're full time employees of the league, and we're, we we operate under a CBA the same way the players have a CBA. Okay, gotcha. You know the, play, uh, the players obviously sign, sign deals with their teams, but but we're we're just we're full time employees um, with with the league. So that's how. Cool. Yeah. So it's not like a, not like a term thing.
0: All right. So before I get into all the million nitty-gritty questions I got for you, give us a yeah. give us a an overall uh look at the day a day-to-day life of an NHL Lionsman, your the regions, your the crew you're working with. What does it kind of look like for you? Like a game day? Yeah, thing? like a game day. Yeah, so I mean
1: I mean usually for the most part usually we're getting into the city the night before. The game mm-hmm. um not always you know sometimes we'll fly we have back-to-backs or mm-hmm. or whatever we fly in that morning but you know usually we're in the night before uh we're, we're pretty routine we're creatures of habit like i know for me we i get up you know get up do breakfast in the morning yeah with the guys from just hotel breakfast mm-hmm. uh and then after that i'll do a workout light workout in the gym hotel gym hmm just, you know, some cardio, some weights, nothing nothing crazy on game day, but uh and then we always do lunch together as a team, as a crew. The four guys working that night. Yeah. And how always are you often with the ready. same crew? Uh no, actually we we travel separately. So every city I go to, I'll go to one city, I'll be with the crew, I'll go to the next city myself and I'll be with a whole different crew.
0: Like, okay, that's cool.
1: Yeah, we, we're split up.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: It might it might occasionally we might have the same two guys going to a city or two guys staying in the same city for back to backs or something. But yeah, but you no, know, we're, we're split up. We're spread out for the, for the season. Right.
0: So you finish your morning workout, you have your lunch. What time are you probably having an afternoon day game day nap? Are you? And then heading to the oh, ring. That's the best part of the day. The <laughs> game day nap.
1: Yeah. Like after lunch, after lunch, you know, I, I usually, depending on the city I'm in and how the weather is, I'll, I like to go for a walk and just yeah. kind of walk around the city a bit. But, um, yeah, but then yeah, game day nap it's the best. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. how early are you getting to the rink for an eight o'clock start? Uh, we're usually there an hour and a half before, so right. you know, it's games like, typical seven o'clock game. We're there at five thirty.
0: Right. Yeah. And like yeah. as you said, uh, the regiment and the daily routines are so important for any uh, high level athlete, and and people need to understand that NHL officials are high level athletes. I mean, you guys. You guys are officiating probably the fastest uh, sport in the world, um, not being used, like, not, not, not including, like, uh, NASCAR or IndyCar. You guys are re- reffing the, the fastest game in the NHL. You gotta be in tip top shape. Are you guys working hard as a crew, or are you kind of just expected to, to, uh, to do that in your off time and to be, to be in great shape all the time?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, fitness is huge. It, it really is and, and even more so in, in recent years and, and you know, I mean, uh, you know, the first thing we do at training camp, we show up training camp every year is a fitness test. I yeah. mean, after you, after you pass your medical, it's it's right into fitness testing and the expectations are are high. I mean, like you said, it's the fastest game, fastest game like that is played as like you said, mm-hmm. except for NASCAR, but yeah. It it really is. It really is and and we're out there for the full sixty minutes. It's a different, it's a different sort of cardiovascular exertion than the players, like because we're more. The players are, are spurts, and we're more of a marathon type thing. But right, yeah, um, you know, uh but no, you got it. You got to be in shape. You really do because it, it, the first thing, if you start getting physically tired, the next thing to go is your is your mind, and that's, and that's exactly. what we got out there. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, no, fitness is huge. Uh, it's really, a, it's, it's, it's just become every, every year. It's becomes more and more important. And, right. and, and I mean, I like, I, I mean, I'm 37. Now the guys that are, are being hired, the young guys coming in on staff, like, you know, 25, 26 years old. I mean, they're, they're athletes. They are ripped and yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. It's <laughs> unbelievable seeing these young guys come in mm-hmm. training trying to get, Holy crap. Like,
0: what is you know, considered a young, twelve like, what's considered yeah. like a young and an old official? uh well it, it's the
1: lifespan of official like i was hired at twenty seven um that's typical some yeah. guys are like uh those guys hired at, like twenty five but like uh but on the on the high end guys are retiring um guys are retiring like fifty five ish wow yeah it depends yeah so it, it's a it's a lifespan right i mean and you know but but i mean it's it's amazing the guys that are the guys you know i look at the guys who retired this year like you know in their 50s and i mean they're working the same hockey that the 27 year olds are they're it's on incredible. the same ice yeah yeah it, it's you know I, I like to to have that longevity it's 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 great and if you can get that far i mean you know you gotta yeah. you gotta stay in shape and you gotta keep yourself healthy and um yeah it's it's a demanding job Phys- it's physically demanding the travel doesn't doesn't help because yeah. you're I mean you're working games and then you're getting on an airplane and going to another city and right. you know you gotta you gotta get into good routines and good good practices to, of course, to keep yeah. yourself
0: you know and keep yourself. I, I told you before like I I spend a lot of time actually watching you guys on the ice watching the officials positioning uh, where you're at um, the communication you guys have together is unbelievable. You know, you're you're you might be on one blue line at one play, and the next blue line or the next play, you're you're filling in for your, you know, your um your fellow linesmen on the, on the other blue line. Like things are happening so fast, people are getting yeah. caught up in the play. Communication is obviously important in any job and in any any part of life. But how important and how crucial it is for you guys to communicate, not even not just amongst officials, but also with the players and coaches. Oh, it's, 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 one of the biggest parts of our game is
1: communication. I mean, you, you ask any player and any coach, um, you know, what, what they want in an official, it's, it's someone who's communicating with you. Like, yeah. You need to be able to communicate and, and have a rapport with the players and have a rapport with the coaches. It's a relationship. We have a, like, it's a professional relationship that we have mm-hmm. with everybody involved. And, and, you know, if, if you're not able to communicate effectively, um, you know, you're not going to gain the trust of the players and the coaches. They're not going it, to. It's, it's you know, it's just not going to bode well for you. Like you got to, you really have to be able to, to you know, to talk to them. And and yeah. if they have a qu- like it's it's very professional though. If if you if you listen to the NHL does a really good job. If you've ever listened to the live wire would mm-hmm. up, um, I don't know if you've ever if you've seen of them. Of course, but, I've probably seen them. All. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're, they're great right yeah, i mean they, the nhl that they, they do a great job with with showcasing the relationship and the rapport between us yeah. and, and the players absolutely and, and and you see it it's very professional it's it's very community community that's yeah. a word communicative yep. yeah sorry um but it's uh it's great and, and that's that's actually what it's like on the ice right you know at the professional at the nhl level it's, it's very professional there's, there's questions they have questions we answer them right um you know they have concerns we address them if we have concerns we address it with the coaches we address it with the captains you know um the ability to do that effectively is is a is a skill that's yeah, i that's, think it is for sure
0: necessary. So yeah. you guys, like, oftentimes, like, you say it's noticeable, and I see that it's noticeable, and I notice that, that the communication and the respect is usually there. Um, however, a lot of fans are just watching that, you know, the, the guys getting yelled at. You got a coach yeah. standing up on the bench yelling. You know, you got to kind of accept that as a referee at sometimes, You know, you let them get that yell out, you turn your back, and then you slowly skate over and you get them to come down and talk to you. And that's when things start to, those communication skills really come into play. So of course. that that camaraderie that you guys have with the players and coaches, how long did it take you to get that respect? And what it was, it kind of like a, obviously you're you're going to come into the league and you're going to be the new linesman and you're probably going to have guys you know uh, joking around with you or welcoming you to the league and and saying stuff like that because I know hockey players are pretty good with stuff like that. But yeah. was there anything uh, or how long did it take before you know guys started? really respecting you or any, any linesman or, or referee.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, veteran, the players are going to test you as a young official for sure. They're, they're going to, they're going to try it. They they see a new guy that maybe they don't know. They haven't seen before. And you know, new official, it's kind of new blood. They're going to test you out, see what they can get away with, see how far they can push you. You know, they're going to, I mean, they're smart They're you know, any, any sort of competitive advantage they think they think in their minds, they can get, they're going to try it. So yeah. You know they'll see a new guy and they'll they'll try to push the they'll, you know the, I, and I see it with you know I see it with young linesmen I work with like maybe a rookie linesman I'd, I'd be on the ice with and, and especially with like faceoffs or something yeah. like you Cheek see some us. of the veteran centermen they'll try to you know they know what they know what to expect with me I've been around a little while yeah but they, maybe with the other guy they might try they might try to get away with something that they you know and but you know what the guy I tell the young guys too like you know what well you got a job to do like yeah doesn't matter if the guys. Ten years in the league, yeah, that's right. And you're one. You got you got a job to do, and they do it. So, what's and, that? And that convers- you, gain, you gain respect. You you, yeah. you gain respect pretty quickly if you know you don't put up with bull, bull crap. Can yeah. I curse? No, you probably. Yeah, you
0: can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> you, you,
1: you know, you, you got a. It's a fine. It's a fine line to, to balance as a as a young official because you're you know you're on the ice with guys like you know, veteran guys in the league have been around forever that, that yeah. who've, who've earned their respect and and who've earned you know, um, see, you you know, obviously you can't, you you can't just come in and bully them as a young official. That's not going to work at all. So, um, you know, you you gotta, you gotta, you gotta earn your stripes just so to say, so to speak. And, um, but you know what, like it's all, it's all under like a, it's all very professional, but they're, you know, they'll test you for sure. Of course they will. But is
0: there a fine line between like having thick skin and being abused? Like how fine is that? Yeah, for sure. I
1: mean, we're. I mean, emotion. Emotion is part of the game, and yeah. we accept emotion in the mm-hmm. game. Abuse is a different thing, right? And, and you know, yeah. and I think you can you can feel it if a player crosses the line into abuse. Like, if, if there's no place for that, and there's right. penalties for that. Of
0: course. You know? uh, what are the combos like when you kick out a, a veteran, a veteran in the draw? Somebody, you know, it's an important draw late in the game. Defensive zone guy comes in, ends up getting kicked out. Is he is he more mad at himself?
1: Well, so so there's not a lot of conversation at the moment, at the of moment when I yeah. t- toss the guy. because at the time at the time it's it's face up. We want to get the game started, right? So we want to get play started. So there's no, we're not having a conversation at that point. If I toss somebody from a draw, that's not the time and place to have a conversation about it. If there's an issue, okay, we'll talk about it at a TV timeout or we'll talk about it later on. If you have a question about why, like why am I getting tossed, mm-hmm. that's fine. We'll talk about it later. But at the moment, no, uh, we're not talking. But okay. Um, no, but I mean the, the the centermen know like you know, they they know what they can and can't get away with yeah. uh, on faceoffs, right? And and they're always they'll continuously try to push the boundaries. Like you know, faceoffs are faceoffs are very important in the game.
0: Why don't um, you quickly explain it? Because a lot of people that watch hockey and and people that listen to the podcast maybe not a hundred percent sure. What the heck's going on with, with with these lines and and where they have to stand? So, can you just quickly uh, just give us a rundown of what a what a defensive zone draw looks like?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's funny. Like, um, I mean. If you look at the if you look at our face off rule in the book, I mean you can get the rule book anywhere. Yeah. Our NHL rule book, it, it's almost six pages long. The face off, the face off, <laughs> the, the face off rule. I think it's rule seventy six. Yeah. It's literally almost six pages. It's five and a half pages long. Oh, wow! I mean, there is so many intricacies and nuances to face off. So like the, the old like the cliche like just drop the puck like yeah. argument, which you hear a million yeah. times, which is fine. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we want play to start. that's, yeah, that's what that's what people are paying to see is play, and yeah. not not we're not they don't want to see a face Yeah, but you know what? There there's there's a lot to it. Um, there's a lot of there's. I mean, there's, it's a big rule, like I said. There's a lot of intricacies and nuance, and you know what? It, there's a standard of enforcement, and um, you know the the, the centerman the centermen know what they can and can't get away with and they expect it to be enforced. Like, you know, I, I get the argument from the casual fans because they just want to see the puck down and they want to see play started again. Mm-hmm. And I get it. And so do we, and so does everybody, but there, there is a standard of enforcement that has to be enforced and, and the players are going to push that boundary. Like mm-hmm. if you give them an inch, they're going to take that inch. So, you know, that, and that's why we got, I mean, the, the, the great centermen in the league are really good at knowing where that boundary is and going right to the edge of it. Right. As far as. So they're actually
0: like timing you. They're trying. And, and are anything. you a timing guy? Are you a guy who drops the puck at the same time? I try. No, I, I it up. like
1: the big thing. So for, for linesman is it's, we want to take charge of a face off. We're yeah. not letting the centerman dictate the face off. We're, we're we dictate when the puck goes down with like, and you try to avoid having the players being able to time you. Right. And believe me, uh, they scout the linesman the teams, scout each linesman who's working that night. And they know their tendencies that like, if I'm working a game in Boston, the Boston Bruins know Matt McPherson's tendencies on right. how he drops the puck. Where, like how, what his timing looks like, where, like where on the dot it lands. Where, like, <laughs> wow. Who, oh, I think like, they, they analyze this stuff. Like, there's so much more to face offs than, than people yeah. realize. Yeah, but, well who's
0: yeah, uh, just who's, who's sticks got to be down first? Um, what are some of the major things like what reasons why you're kicking guys out? Yeah, so I mean,
1: well I mean, where do I start? So uh so yeah, the attacking team has to set up their offense first. Yes. And then sure. the, the defending team gets to set up their defense meaning positioning wise mm-hmm. uh, based on the, the how the offense sets up, yep. right? So then we got that set. Now we got the defending team centerman. The defending team centerman has to put a stick down first, yep. then the attacking team gets to come down second. So, I mean, that's sort of the Cliff Notes version. But, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but you know what? There's there's so many different yeah. ways to try to gain an advantage. So those lines on the ice that are painted by the dot, those you know the ninety degree lines, you yeah, know, they're the not just there for decoration. They're, yeah. they're there they're there for a reason, right? Yep. The skates you got to be square. Skates have to be behind the lines and outside the lines. Six got to go down into the white. There's a little white half moon on each dot on both sides. Six got to go down onto that. Right. So there's all kinds of rules. I mean, there's all kinds of things. But a lot of times what you see is players trying to, they'll try to come in with a skate early because mm-hmm. you know, a guy, you know, there's guys that are really good at trying to time it and put their skate in to block the other block the other sentiment and then win the draw. Mm-hmm. Or then you got guys who come in. Instead of putting their stick right down on the ice, they'll come across, whack the other guy's stick, and then win the drawback, which is right. illegal too. So, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of tactics, and each, each centerman has their own tendencies and their own things that they do, and and they push the boundaries, right? And then sometimes they get away with it, and that's why they they're going to take what they can get, right? So
0: yeah. So I guess the part uh, B to that is what separates those amazing centermen from from guys who are just taking draws.
1: Yeah. Well, I, like I look at a guy like, I mean like Patrice Bergeron for just, just to throw an example he with Boston, he amazing face-off man, like, well, amazing player in general, yeah. but um, just, he, he's, he's actually, he's really good at taking faceoffs. but it's because he knows that line. He knows where that line is and that standard of enforcement. And, and he's right to the edge of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in, in any given game, I'll probably toss Bergie out of like maybe two or three draws in the game
0: because,
1: mm-hmm. because he pushes that line. Yeah. But, but, He's right there, and he, he I, I guess, I don't know, he's sort of perfected the art of, of knowing where, how far he can go and, and how far is too far, right? right. So,
0: oh, it's so um, it's, it's so interesting to watch. Like, cause like you said, I know I can see there's a six page rule book for, it's uh, six pages in the rule book for a reason, because there's a lot of things happening um, on a face off. Yeah. Face-off. yeah. And, and you know what? We actually
1: really, the league uh, really cracked down on on the standard of face offs about two, two or three years ago. Yeah, we came into camp because face-off, the standards had sort of eroded to the point where it was just a, a cluster to get the puck. Yeah. Out. Like, it was like, it, you know, I mean, guys were just jumping and cheating and, and spinning. And yeah. and like a lot of times you drop the puck, it wouldn't even hit the ice. It would hit like the stick and a knee and a <laughs> yeah. chin. Perfectly. And then all of a sudden, it was it was getting to the point where it was like, <clears throat> it really needed to be cleaned up and uh, and we did that like we we came out of the gate it was like two or th- three seasons ago we came out of the gate and this was direction from the league and we we were under direction to clean up pace pace offs and and we did that so i think it, yeah. we're, we're at a good point now i think
0: yeah no, well this. obviously it's it's been something that's been looked at for a lot of years because it's changed a yeah. lot i was just saying like it's dangerous for a linesman when you got a guy's two wingers behind you coming in clipping the back of your feet or you know, yeah. guys cheating in, things like that. I've I've seen that happen in years past, but it, it seems to be less and less. Quick question yeah. for you. Game one of the finals this year. You dropped the puck at center ice after a goal. Why was yeah. that?
1: Uh that's our new actually that's our new procedure. Okay. We started that this year, this season. So line linesmen drop pucks, uh all pucks at center ice after goals. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: and so the, the only the only time the referee
0: is dropping a puck is is to
1: start the first second and third periods
0: okay That's so it. yeah i did notice that change and and how how much of a change was that for you guys because obviously your fellow linesman's gonna have to pick an end if you're dropping the puck he's got to follow the play right yeah
1: so yeah so the, it's it's your partner who's gonna is gonna kind of dictate where he's gonna go so right. based on how the who, who, wins, who wins the face the off and where the puck to go he's gonna go that direction and then i'll right. go the other and then when time permits we'll we'll switch back to right to our ads. But yeah. So back uh, but, to that communication. You know, but the, the reason that League brought that in, um, I mean, the only reason, I mean, linesmen as linesmen, that that's our that's sort of our bread and butter is face us. We, we we work on them, we practice them, that's our that's what we do. It's it's a big part of our jobs. You know, referees have a lot of other stuff to worry about. I mean, um the only reason referees shot the puck at center ice is tradition. It's really the only reason. Okay. Cool. Right. I mean like the the referee has just always dropped the opening face off. Yeah, the he's the boss. Period. He's in charge. He's it, showing his it's tradition, right? Yeah, it, he's it's, showing it's his tradition. Stripes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But so. really
1: the, the guy the guys who, who it's our job to conduct faceoffs are linesmen. So that, that's why the league brought that in as well. So the, the, the referees still have the start of the first, start of the second, start of the third. Yeah. Um but that's it.
0: So uh. Well, yeah. um, let's uh, let's continue with a few rules questions that I have for you. What's your uh, what are your impressions of the the skate in the air offside rule? So a guy's dragging his dragging his back skate. Um, you know that you're watching for the toe of the blade to be still in contact with the ice. Uh, how do you feel about that rule, and is it something that you think we're going to see some tweaks to in the future?
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, from what I hear, I think it's happening, right? Yeah. I mean, I, we haven't we haven't been told that, but officially but i think it is i mean i think it's been approved okay um i mean i'm not that's I'm a not tough speaking one though for anybody yeah, I, I feel yeah. like it, you know what i get I, I get the frustration where this comes from mm-hmm. with the goals taken back because okay a guy skates an inch off the ice like a, yeah and, and i mean the thing for me is it's it's always been the rule that's been the, that's that's offside's been the same way for years and years and years um it just it just gets magnified now. It's under a magnifying glass because of this Coach's challenge. Yeah. So now now we're looking at now we're looking at slow motion replays, blown up of, of blue lines yeah. uh, like of offside plays that we never like before. Coach's challenge you never look at a slow motion blue line entry. I mean, right. It, it, right. So now we're looking at these. So now it's highlighted. Now it's magnified. And now we're like, well, why is this offside? Mm-hmm. what's the, like, It had no effect. It skates an inch off. So I get the frustration. Mm-hmm. It's always been the rule. Yeah. Um, and and anytime you bring in a coach's challenge for a black and white rule, like offside is black and white. Either it is or it isn't. Yeah. So anytime you're bringing video review in for something that's black and white, well, it's black and white.
0: Right. And knowing so that you have that. The
1: difference between offside and not offside might be a half an inch. But exactly. That's, that's, that's what and white, it is. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I understand the frustration in taking back a goal where it's like, well, because like, common sense says oh, it had no effect on the play. It literally had no effect on the play. So right. I get that frustration. But that's the consequence of,
0: of video replay. reviews. Yeah, black. so knowing yeah. that that replay is there, does that change how you're making a call? Not to, not to me, not to us. Okay. I, it really doesn't.
1: Um, and we get that argument sometimes. Yeah, let it go I'll, if call, it's really I'll, I'll, close. Call, I'll blow the whistle on yeah. like a close off side play yeah and uh, and you know and, and actually i had a good i had a good uh, conversation about this with crosby on the ice one night yeah and and because i mean he's he, he's a smart obviously a smart yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah he's uh, always
0: thinking of everything
1: yeah yeah so he's always thinking and so i called a close off side on Pittsburgh this is probably two years ago
0: mm-hmm.
1: called a close off side on Pittsburgh It was offside but it was really close and, uh, Sid comes over to me, like at a TV timeout. he goes, "Man, no, he's like, he's like, this was when like coaches, ch- the coaches challenge was new. I think it was the first year of the challenge. And he goes, he's like, now that he's like, now that we can, now that we can challenge this. He's like, like when it's really, really close like that, like, y- you know, you might be wrong. It might not be offset. Like it was in this case, but he's like, he's like, what's your thoughts? Cause Sid's always thinking, right? He's yeah, not, he's course. a very intelligent. He's like, what's your thought? He's very professional. He's like, what's your thoughts on like, just waving that if you're not yeah. like, if it's that close, like why not just wave it? Yeah. And then if it goes in, we can chat, like it can be challenged. And I was like, no, I mean that I'm like, like, first of all, Sid, like, that's not how we officiate. We don't, yeah. we, we work in real time. We call what we see. Yeah. Um, so if I see that it's offside, I'm going to call it, but I'm like second, just because you can challenge the goal doesn't it, there's still consequences to missing an offside. Like if I miss an offside and then the defending team goes in and maybe takes a hooking penalty or something like, well, that yeah. that never would have happened mm-hmm. if I didn't, if I called the offside or God forbid, I miss an offside and guy go get, gets drilled into the end boards and hurts himself. Yeah. Well, it should have been offside. Like there's still consequences to missing an offside just because we can take back the goal. Yeah. Um, so and, and like, it's just not how we officiate. We no. we officiate in real time. We we call. We, we see what we see on the ice, and we call what we see on the ice.
0: And you used so, the word you used the word a few minutes ago. Standard, and I mean that's a rule. That's a word that's thrown around the officiating world very often. Yeah. Having a good standard to play, or just cons- a consistent standard as a, as an official. Um, and I'm I'm thinking that's kind of where you're going. Your your standard's not going to change based on uh, the fact that there's a replay.
1: No, I mean we. we uh, I love that it's good that we have that replay as a tool in the toolbox and as a as a sort of a safety net for us to get because we want to get the call right. I mean, ultimately, we're all in this business to get the calls right. Like we just we just we want we want it to do what's best for the game and have the call be right. That's what everybody's goal is. So you know to have that to be able to reverse things that especially on goals, obviously, which is the most important part right. of a hockey game. To be able to get that right and, and to be able to look at it and say, you know what, no, it, it, this was offside or this was goal interference or, or whatever that, um, you know, we want to leave the building that night saying, you know what,
0: the call was right. Yeah, of course. And that's where that's what you want to do. Like You want to leave the rink almost invisible like you weren't even there. You go in, yeah. you do your job and, uh, and you get out of there. Uh, another quick, quick rule question. What do you... I mean, this rule's been in hockey for a long time now, and, and I'm still not a huge fan of it, but it's the puck over the glass. Um, yeah. You've seen this um, probably earlier in your career where it was a judgment call. Uh, you know, you're looking for an intention if somebody's th- trying to throw the puck over the glass, and now we're seeing it so often. Um, what are your thoughts on it?
1: I mean, yeah, it was it was brought in because it was a tactic. You know, a yeah. defending team just fire the puck over the glass to get a whistle, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it was brought in. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I do get it because it was, you know, it kind of forces now. It forces that defenseman to make a play, or to make a yeah. pass, or, or carry it out, or you know. Or, so I, I, I do like it in that way. I, I mean, like any rule, you bring in rules and you get unintended consequences, right? right. Like the leagues bring in rules to, to try to, to try to like, change something that, that has become a tactic and become a problem. Like right. The puck over us, which was, like, uh, the players were doing that on purpose to get, just to get the whistle. Right. So, we're like, well, we need to stop that. Not we, but the league needs to stop that. So, you know, but then you get the consequences. Like, you get that, the unintentional, the guy diving at the puck and he bats yeah. it out. Especially right, when you're that, short, when you're it's shorthanded. In overtime, yeah. It's in overtime. Uh, and, now, and now you yeah. scored. You know, and, 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 like there's 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 unintended consequences of, of every course. rule that's brought in and and you know um but it's like you said like there, there's no way you can't make it a judgment call if it's if it's going to be a call it's got to be automatic right if you bring in judgment to it, it, it you just open up a can of worms of, right. right
0: and there's also but, you could compare it to like you know i just tripped that guy but i didn't mean it you know yeah. like well, just, exactly yeah it was unintentional it. Yeah, it's still it's a, penalty. a yeah. penalty right so yeah, yeah i i but uh, what it you know, uh, I I'm just like I'm watching a game. Like you said, it's overtime, or your guys' uh, team's already shorthanded. The puck's bouncing around, and it just kind of gets chipped over the glass by accident. Yeah. It's just really unfortunate when you see it happen.
1: It, it is, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It really is, and I, and I, I mean, who was it uh, with Vegas there this in the playoffs this yeah. year? Yeah, I mean, the kid was. I mean, he felt terrible. He, yeah, I mean, an unintentional penalty. I mean, yeah. It's it sucked. It really does. I feel I feel for him, and I mean, you get scored on and lose yeah. the game. It, like you know, it's it, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the answer is because yeah. I don't. It, think it was brought in for a reason. It was brought in for a reason because it was a tactic and it was a, so. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I think it, you know. It, it at first, it. I hated it. I absolutely hated yeah. it, but and I understood yeah. it. But I hated it. Yeah. And now I'm just like, okay, it's part of the game. Everybody knows it um defensemen have to be a little more aware goalies have to be a little bit more aware when they're clearing the puck um talk to uh there was something that happened in the playoffs this year i actually messaged you about it to clarify goaltender's pad was coming off um yeah it's basically hanging off he's yelling at the ref puck ends up in the net and you're telling me that's okay explain that one
1: so i mean that one basically it's an equipment issue like i mean it, it Unless it's unless it's an immediate safety concern, like a helmet, obviously a helmet off, mm-hmm. different story. Um, you know, it reminds me of the the Tuka Rask. It was last year, the year before, when he lost his skate blade, right? Uh, and the same thing, he's yelling at the ref, like I lost my skate blade. I, like, it's not an automatic whistle. It's not a whistle. Um, you know, it, and it's kind of unfortunate. It sucks. Yeah. But it's, uh, like, I equate it to, you know, a defenseman breaks a stick, uh, like, trying to take a one-timer or whatever, breaks a stick in the putt, and then now the guy's going down on the breakaway. And he's got none. Well, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it's like, it's it's crappy luck, but, yeah. I mean, it's not a whistle. It's not, you know, uh, now, I know. It, it's, a weird, it's a weird situation for sure, but it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not the way the rule is, it's not an automatic whistle. Gotcha. So it, it's a good goal. It's a good goal. It's but, a good goal. Yeah, it sucks. It's, it's crappy luck for sure. Yeah.
0: All right, next one. Hybrid icing. You've been here, you've been part of this development and this change. Yeah. Um, how is it working out for you and also like the safety of players and the reason the, the rule was brought in?
1: Um, yeah, so, well, when I came in the league my first year, a couple of years, we still had the touch icing rule. Yeah. Um, but. That was obviously. I mean, it, it was just a recipe for disaster for mm-hmm. for injury. Um, having two guys skating at full speed towards the end boards yeah. to race to catch the puck. I mean, oh, it's scary. It was only a matter of time. I mean, you are, we. You did. You do. You have seen injuries from it. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before someone went head first and you know, God forbid. But yeah. Um. So it, the the reason hybrid was brought in was for safety. It was player safety yeah. purely.
0: And it's working. Um, you know, they obviously, didn't it go, seems. they didn't go
1: full to the to like the hockey Canada automatic icing. Yeah, because they still want still want that race. Like that that race is still a part of the game, and it's exciting and it's. But but to end it early, basically the the idea is to 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 judge the race early instead of having them finish it to the puck, right? Right. So,
0: Right, so we're we're in the era of replays right now, and you know I'm watching an NFL game yesterday, and the refs are throwing a flag, and then all of a sudden they're picking it up, they're getting together, they're discussing a play, and they're picking up the flag and saying there was no foul on the play. Is yeah. that something you think we you're going to get to in the NHL?
1: I don't know if you'll see that. I mean, it's 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 tough. That's that's a tough one. I mean, it, it, to be honest, that has happened in our league Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: very rare
1: very rarely very rarely because it's you're opening up a whole can of
0: worms i think if you go down that road Mm -hmm. but um i've seen it actually with the puck over glass i think uh you know someone calls it you huddle up together and make the right decision maybe kind of quick view of the replay a a call (laughs) like that a a call like that where
1: where whether it hit the glass or not or whether it yeah tipped off a stick or not that's a team call so, so plays like that, we get together and huddle and we come out with, so that's, that procedure is in place yeah. right now. So, you know, you might have a guy react immediately and say, yeah, it's a penalty, but then as you come together as a team, right. which is our procedure, yeah. you come together, a team and, and guys say, no, no, I saw a tip. So that's, that's a different story, a little bit
0: different than picking up the flag on say like a tripping call or a <laughs> Yeah, call. of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally um, different, but I mean, just yeah. just the overall general feel of that. Like, do you think it'll come to a point where, you know, you you guys got replays in the rink too, and I mean, you're looking up at the board and you're like, "Damn, I missed one." Or yeah, I that wasn't a trip or whatever it was. <laughs> it, and and I know how much that bugs people when you make a mistake, and, and do you think there'll be an ever be an opportunity where you know, you might be able to call back a penalty?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know if that if that's something that's really need to get into maybe i mean it, it happens rarely i think in like i've been 10 years in the league i think i've seen it twice in my right. like in in my memory maybe it's happened more but like and the example i think of is like a high stick so like a guy i'll call a high stick and the other guy's like hold like no no it was, it was his 100%. own stick? it was his teammate it was his teammate right stick. Like, yeah. it was his own teammate stick 110 sure yeah like 110 sure that's so that in that situation yeah, well, we do what's right for the game and say no, no. It, it, it was his teammate stick. We, right. we we pick that one up, right? And that 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 will happen. And I think that's the right thing to do in it that is. case. Yeah, definitely. is. You want but to but get like, it right. You all start the getting time. into gray, when you start when you start getting into gray areas because there's a lot of gray penalties like yeah. hookings and holdings. And there's a lot of like there's a lot of gray area in hockey. So I don't think you want to start getting into picking up flags on on unless it's like a black and white, hundred and ten percent sure. Right. Like, no, it wasn't. Then that's the only, I think that's the only justification or reason to do that.
0: Right. Yeah. Walk us through, um, one of your replays. So you're heading over, you're, you're going to replay an offside. Um, you're putting on some headphones. Who are you talking to? Um, what's going on? Is it just you and the linesman who have the, uh, your fellow linesman who have the ultimate, uh, decision? So,
1: so yeah. So if, for example, an offside review, we, it's my linesman and I, we go over, we put the headset on, we're talking to the, uh, uh, the situation room in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's somebody from hockey operations, either Chris King, Mike Murphy, you know, so it, Rod Pasma. It's, it's somebody, whoever happens to be on that, we're in the situation room assigned to our game that night. Right. Um, uh, and then, you know, when we get to the finals, when we get to the finals and con- like Stephen walkham's on it or, uh, yeah. but, um, yeah. So basically we're, we're talking with the situation room in, in Toronto. They obviously were, we know which which play we're looking at. We make sure we're looking at first of all the right zone entry, and then uh, you know, and, and we, we, they'll just show us the review. That we have the iPad. Yeah, they're going to show us the different angles of, of the review, and we're going to look at it, uh, and we talk about it, and we say what we saw in real time. I'll say I'll say like, this is what I saw in real time on the ice. We'll look at the review. We have we give our input. The ultimate decision, the, I mean, the ultimate call does come from the situation room. Okay. They just they take all the, the evidence. They, 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 they make the, the final call on it. We yeah. have input on it. And yeah. Um, you know, w- with offsides, it's black and white, right? So yeah. usually on an offside, it's, it either is or it isn't, right? So right. there's not a whole lot of uh, judgment involved with an offside. Really. Right.
0: So Matt, uh, any future changes that you see? Any new rules that are um, being experimented with or talked about at this time? I really, I, I really don't. I mean, I think the,
1: the game's in a good place. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's, the product is great. The entertainment is great. I mean, there's always little tweaks every year over year. There's little tweaks to rules and stuff. Like we brought in some rules last year to, to help generate offense, you know, more, more, uh, more face-offs in the end zones. Uh, there's less face-offs like Dumbo's side. Was, you know, now, on icings and certain situations the attacking team gets to choose which side they want. So, you know, there's always little tweaks to generate, the they, last year was to generate more offense. Um, but I don't know. I mean, specifically, I, I really don't know. I don't, I yeah. don't so see there's anything. Nothing. There's nothing, that, nothing yeah. that stands out that needs to be changed in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I um, think you're right. You know, I, I think we're in a good spot Yeah, and uh, you know, the, the, the game is great. Um, the product is is awesome. The hockey's it's been amazing. So I, I, I don't really see any need to to make any drastic changes. But no. you know, I mean, every year, like you said, there's there's different there's tweaks and little little rule changes.
0: But is there yeah. any um, other commonly misunderstood rules that you can think of? Stuff that people are always yelling from the stands about, or you're <laughs> writing into people about it. Is there anything that you see that you could quickly explain, or or you know, is there is there not? Well,
1: you- well, you mentioned the hybrid icing. I yeah, think there's a there's a common misconception that it's a race to the hash marks. Yeah, well, that's what I everyone's that, told. That's kind of one, right? Um, I mean the rule is it's still a race to the puck. We're just judging who's going to get to the puck first. So it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean if you're first to the hash marks, you're first to the puck because it d- mm-hmm. depends on where the puck is, right? Yep. So I think that's a that's a common one that yep. even some of the broadcasters sometimes – Even some like of the players
0: still are, are arguing that one too, right?
1: Yeah. Well, because like, they're, they're skating in a straight line towards the corner when, when the puck had already wrapped around the net. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. I mean like it, it, it's – that that's the common misconception yeah. on that one is it's race, it's it's like some sort of finish line at the hash marks but it's it's that's a it, it, exactly. it's a judgment as to who is going to get the
0: puck first that's right. what it is so perfect um yeah. also so now uh matt overall your overall impression of your job what is it you like the most about it and and maybe what's the most difficult part of your job it's it's the same answer for both
1: it's the travel yeah
0: okay <laughs> it's, yeah I, that makes I, sense i i love i love
1: like getting to experience all these different cities and 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 getting to see the well I say the world see North America yeah um and and you know that it's really it's such a cool job and like to to be able to I I mean outside of the hockey but just the job itself like um like getting to experience like these amazing cities and getting to see see different places and but at the same time the actual travel itself the
0: flying it's hard, and hard yeah. so that's so that's what are what game. are some of those career highlights that jump out at you like maybe the stadium game or uh some international games that you've done obviously the stanley cup finals but what jumps out at you uh, as career highlights yeah there's a couple that my
1: first my first nhl game yeah um it was pittsburgh's home opener back in 2011 um that was, I mean, I had my family there. Yeah, you know, to to, to finally kind of step on the A and putting the putting the jersey on with the NHL crest, like just I, I stood in the mirror and just looked in the mirror and before, like <laughs> yeah. I can only yeah, imagine. it was, it was just kind of like looking at that crest; it was just like mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. And so that that first game with my family there really uh, really stands out. Yeah, the the stadium game uh, two years ago or lot well, whatever, what season we're in now, it's the it, it, the COVID, it's crazy. It was twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, the winter classic in uh at Notre Dame Stadium. That was really cool. Eighty thousand people in a stance. Yeah. Um, you know, Notre Dame Stadium, the legendary stadium, right? It, it yeah. was that was pretty cool.
0: And the quality yeah. of those games has improved over the years. How what's it like on the yes. ice? What does it feel when you're out there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've done the league's done a great job. They've learned a lot
1: and, and the ice has gotten great. The whole process has gotten great. They got the they got it down to a science now. They've done so many of them. But um yeah, it, it's 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 really cool. Like it's it's a different experience for sure. It's it's like being on the ice, you feel so far away from the crowd. I know, around. yeah. I mean, the crowd there's eighty thousand people there, but they're so far away. Like you work in a hockey rink, it's very intimate and very everyone's on top of you, but yeah. You know, in a big stadium like that, it's the crowds there, but they're so far away. It, it was it was definitely unique. The like just the acoustics of it and the, and the feeling of and being outdoors. I mean, just skating up up the ice and having the fresh air hit you. Yeah, yeah
0: that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So a couple couple last uh, questions for you, Matt. Um, as a linesman, how do you continue to improve? Well, you're constantly learning, like you learn
1: from your own mistake your own mistakes you learn from your peers you learn from senior guys you're working with i mean it's it's a constant you know i mean like i'm at a point now like you know i'm in a good spot i feel like i've 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 seen some success in my career and stuff but you you constantly have room to improve like yeah i think in in any aspect of anything you do like you know, if you feel like you've you're at you're just like okay, I'm I'm done. I reached the peak. I'm I'm over it. Yeah, I don't need to learn anymore. Then mm-hmm. that that's when you're yeah. you're gonna start going downhill, right? For sure. You, you always gotta. I, I'm always trying. I'm like we're our own worst critics. Like I like I don't I don't tend to watch a lot of my like replay a lot of my my games and stuff. If I won't need to look at something, I will. But you know, if I do, like I'm always kind of critiquing myself and what can I have done better and what could you know so. I think it's just a constant sort of urge to improve yourself and yeah that's what's I needed that at,
0: that's what's needed yeah, at it. that level of course. Yeah. So finally Matt who are some of the people along the way that have really helped you some of your mentors some um, people that have helped you get into the position that you're in now?
1: Oh there's I mean so well I go right from, back from the beginning I mean Brian McDonald Caper from mm-hmm. he he was my first uh, minor hockey a signer in Anagan-ish, you know? Um, and then, so he got me my start. And then I go up to like Dave LaHead, who's another guy in, in, uh, in Nova Scotia, who gave me a, a shot into some more elite hockey in the province. Yeah. Um, Sylvain B. who uh, hired me in the Quebec League. Um, you know, he, he, he gave me my my jump into, into you know, major junior hockey um charlie banfield was a guy i mentioned him earlier with the the nhl at the time you know he he was he was great to me for for getting me kind of in the mindset of of what i needed to do and and where i needed to go to to make the jump um joe ernst with the echl um did a lot for me and you know gave me gave me my my shot in the minor pros um uh, Kevin Collins, uh, who was a legendary linesman in the NHL. He was, mm-hmm. he was a boss at the time. He w- he was scouting me while I was working in, in the minors. And he basically like Terry Gregs had hired me. Kevin Collins was basically the guy who, who would have, you know, recommended me to be hired. So he, and he was a great mentor and a, and a great, great boss. Uh, you're a great coach. Um, and uh don koharski I, I gotta mention don koharski like his mm-hmm. camp legend yeah yeah Like, and his camps really opened me up to the world of officiating outside of outside of my local association right mm-hmm. um and he's you know he's a great man um and i, I, I mean stephen walkum who's my boss now he you know he's he gave me my first shot at playoffs um back in 2014 and he's been he's been a great boss and he's i mean He's, uh, I guess,
0: still going. So, yep.
1: yeah, I don't know. I, I, I probably missed somebody, but
0: um, no, that's great, Matt. And like, rest, yeah. super, uh, super proud of you, and um, happy to say that you you're now a mentor to a lot of people um, in the NHL, and and you were since the very beginning. Um, I really want to thank you for taking your time to uh, to talk to me, and um, really appreciate uh, everything that you do for the game and continued. Continue the great work, man, and, and uh, look forward to, to watching you in the, in the NHL for a long time. Right on. Thanks for having me on, Chris. You're very welcome, Matt. Take care, brother. You too. All right, folks. That was Across the Pond, and that's a wrap. All right. Thank you to our amazing sponsors. As always, The Big Bite, Yardley Brothers Beer, Ben Marin's Photography, Sunset Studio, Print House Limited, and Asia Sports Tech. Finally, thank you to Lauren Orris and Fiona Cha, who have helped us as advisors and liaisons to Hong Kong's hockey world. To support the podcast, check out our amazing merchandise on our website at acrossthepondhk.com. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Across the Pond HK.